Well, good morning. How are we doing this morning? Hey, great to see you. What a weekend. What is this baptism weekend? We're really excited about what we're about to experience together as a church. So welcome all of you who are here. Welcome our online audience. We're excited you are joining in. And welcome the Elevate crew who's in the room. Great to have our our junior high students uh, with us as well. As Steph mentioned, we're starting a brand new series this weekend that really is a family series. It's all about family relationships. It's It's a series we're calling These Are My People. And so our hope is, as we progress in the series, we're going to talk about different relationship dynamics. We'll talk about marriage relationships. We'll talk about parent-kid relationships. We'll talk about even sibling relationships. Because you really go all throughout the Bible, you can see all kinds of different relational patterns. And there's so much we can learn from these biblical narratives that still have such an incredible, timely impact in our lives today. Now, as we talk about these kind of biological relationships in the coming weeks, today we thought we would start a start with talking about what it really looks like to become a spiritual family together. And our hope and prayer is that you walk into rooms like this, and even if you're dialing in with us online, that, that you would really be able to look around a room like this and think, man, these are my people, right? That there's something about us coming together, not just as biological family, there's something about us coming together in a spiritual way that we make up God's spiritual family. I like to call this, this is our forever family. Uh, Whether we like each other or not, whether we're a little bit dysfunctional, we're going to spend eternity together, right? So there's uh, there's a forever, you know, aspect of this particular relationship. Now, this week, we get the opportunity to celebrate those who are coming into God's family, who've made that commitment to follow Jesus, who are going to publicly express that commitment through baptism, which we're experience a little bit later today. Now, we know of about 100 people who've made that decision that over this service and our next service, about 100 people who are going to make that public declaration of baptism, which is really exciting. But I also think there are those of you who showed up today not really thinking this was going to be the day that you would go underwater and be baptized, but that's exactly what God is going to ask you to do today. And so if you've never made a commitment to follow Jesus, or if you've made a commitment to follow Jesus, but you've never publicly expressed that commitment to baptism, would you just open your heart to the possibility that maybe God would ask you to make that exact decision a little bit later today? That even though you weren't ready to do it, I want you to know that we are ready for you and we're prepared to make that as seamless as a, as a possible experience for you to step into. And so in light of that, today we're going to really talk about what does it look like to become a part of God's family. And so we're going to talk about becoming a part of God's family and then a couple of different powerful aspects of, of what that means. And so as we take this step to really learn what it means to be a part of a spiritual family, I'm reminded of a moment that I was a seventh grader. Again, shout out to our Elevate crew. I was a seventh grader at one point, you know, a couple of years ago. And uh, when I was in seventh grade, my family fundamentally changed. I remember it like it was yesterday, although it was about 30 years ago, that, that we got a phone call on a Saturday morning. And it was my grandparents who were asking to meet up in person with my parents And my grandparents lived a couple hours away, and so they were all going to get in the car and meet halfway because there was something very important that they wanted to share with their parents, and they wanted to make sure they did it in person. Now, my sister and I were were left back at the house kind of wondering what in the world this conversation was going to look like. And when my mom and dad got home, they shared with me a story that I could have possibly ever imagined or dreamed of. Back way up. When my grandparents first met, it was back in the 1940s. And when they first met, their relationship took off very quickly, and they went from dating to engage within about a couple of weeks. Uh, I wouldn't recommend that for young people, by the way, but that was the, the reality of my grandparents' early relationship. 
And it was actually in their first couple months of the relationship that my grandmother found out that she was pregnant and the baby she was carrying was not my grandfather's. Now, back in the 1940s, that was a pretty scandalous reality to really consider and to try to figure out what to do. And so my grandfather was in this situation to decide, do I continue this relationship? Do I stay committed to it? Or is this my out? And after he prayerfully considered it, he felt like he was supposed to commit to the relationship, but he did so with the condition that when the baby was born, that baby would be given up for adoption. And it became the family secret. No one knew about this child that was born and was given up for adoption. It was not news that anybody had ever talked about. And so my mom found out that particular day that she had a sister that she never knew about, that she, that she had never even, uh, even heard of. Now, when that baby was born, she was given the name Sarah. Fast forward 50 years. Sarah was starting to wrestle with the opportunity and the thought of, what would it look like for me to search for my biological family? And and through her research, she had discovered lots about my grandparents. She knew that my grandmother was her biological mother. She knew also that my grandfather was not her biological father. And through a lot of details, it didn't take a rocket scientist to, to really assume that the likelihood of the reason she was giving up for adoption was she was giving up for adoption at the request of my grandfather. And so she mulled over for weeks whether she could even make the phone call to reconnect with her biological family because she really was concerned about the possibility that because my grandfather was still living, there was a possibility that she would be rejected, set aside, shunned by the family, and not really fully embraced. But after weeks of mulling it over, in the early weeks of December, she placed that phone call. And when she placed the phone call to my grandparents, my grandmother initially didn't know what to do. It was the secret of 50 years that was suddenly exposed and the, the, the overwhelming sense of the shame and the guilt that she had carried for so long. She didn't know what to do. She couldn't even have the conversation. So it was my grandfather that got on the phone. As Sarah tells the story, it was such an intimidating moment for her because she didn't know what was about to happen. But my grandfather just leaned into the conversation and he leaned to the moment and he said, Sarah, We're actually having a family gathering three days after Christmas, and we would love to invite you and your family to join us for that gathering. And Sarah goes, I I could never do that. I could never impose myself on this family gathering. It was at that moment that my grandfather said, baby, I don't think you understand. The party's for you. Welcome to the family. It was a game-changing moment for Sarah. If she were here telling you the story, she would say that my grandfather was one of the most Jesus-like people that she's ever met. That the one who could have and, and arguably should have shunned and rejected was the very one that invited her in to become a part of the family. And she and her family have been an integral part of our family really now for the last, I don't know, 25, 30 years. It's been an amazing addition to our family. But I tell you that story because it reminds me of the biblical reality of what we're really going to celebrate today. Ephesians chapter 1, off the pen of Paul, Paul writes these words. He says this. He says, God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do. And it gave him great pleasure. Uh, here's the, the, what Paul is getting that, that you and I haven't always been a part of God's family. 
The reality of it is, is our sin put us at a distance from God. We were separated from God. We, were, we, we, were, we, we, we weren't connected to him. But because of Jesus, he made it possible for us to be adopted into the family. Not as an outsider with full rights and privileges of every son and daughter. That when we yield our life to Jesus, when we commit our lives fully to him, we become a part of the family of God. You're a daughter of the king. You're a son of the king. We're adopted into the family of God. When we yield our lives to Jesus, we become a part of this forever family. The spiritual family. And again, we can be a little dysfunctional at times, but it is a forever family that is a blessed family to be a part of. And I would go as far to say this. When we become a part of God's family, there are a couple of aspects of our identity that fundamentally change. Here's the, the second piece. Is we gotta be people who learn to receive his forgiveness. It's a part of what it means to be a part of the spiritual family, that we learn to receive his forgiveness. Uh, I was 16 years old. Uh, I convinced my parents to allow me to uh, mow lawns. I started my own lawn business as a 16-year-old. I I partnered up with a buddy of mine. We had probably 15 to 20 lawns. And so though I was a new driver, my dad gave me the keys to his truck to allow me to haul the lawn equipment around and, and do this job. And so I remember one particular day, I had loaded up the, the back of the truck. I went over to my buddy's house. Now, I grew up in Texas, and the way the homes were set up in the, in the hometown that I grew up in is you actually access the, the garage through the alleyways, like in the back of the house. And so I went to the, the alleyway into the driveway of my buddy's house, and when I pulled into his driveway, uh, he came out and he said, you got to back up, because I was behind his mom. She needed to get out, so he just was like, you got to back up. Now, as a 16-year-old kind of new driver, I thought he was just guiding me, like directing me. And so I wasn't looking in any rearview mirror or any side mirrors. I'm just following him. He's just telling me, back up. Now, he wasn't like directing me. He was just telling me, move out of the way. And so what I didn't know is what was behind me, which was this neighbor's fence. And so I'm just backing up, backing up, backing up until I finally hit the, the thud of that neighbor's fence. Now, quick little side, sidebar here. Uh, I've been a driver now for multiple decades. I've never hit anything going forward. Uh, But going backwards, I've hit a fence, a parked car, my kid's bike. Kind of here's the the lesson to be learned. If you see me in the driver's seat of the car and you see reverse lights come on, everybody like back up a little bit. Give me some space, right? But that particular day, I, I, I took out this fence. Now, as a uh, when, when I did, the fence was at a little bit of an angle. So not only did I hit the fence, the fence got caught on the bumper of the truck. And so I didn't know what to do. As a 16-year-old, I put it in the, the forward gear, but it wouldn't actually go forward. So what do you do in this moment? Well, I looked down and I saw that the, the car had four-wheel drive. And I thought, I'll just put it in four-wheel drive. And so I did put it in four-wheel drive, and I did get out, taking the entire fence with me. I took out two posts, 12 pickets of this fence that particular day. And so as this 16-year-old, now I had created a total disaster of a mess. I had wrecked my dad's truck. I had destroyed this stranger's fence that I didn't even know who they were. And over the next few days and weeks, I tried to patch the mess that I had made. I I tried to rebuild the fence that I had broken. I tried to touch up the, the car, but... The truth is, I never restored it to to fullness again. There was always this constant reminder every time I went out to my dad's truck as a reminder of the mistake that I had made. 
that every time I went over to my buddy's house and I, and I looked at their stranger's fence that I attempted to rebuild, it was a reminder of the mess that I made. Have you ever been there? Not that you've made a mess on the roadways per se, but have you ever, have you ever been reminded of the mess that potentially you made at some point in your past? Because there's that song that was played that reminds you of him. There's a smell that you smell that just conjures up all the memories attached to that painful loss. There's something that someone said that was almost like a trigger that it just immediately brings back the flood of emotions connected to our past. My guess is at varying degrees, we all have a sense of messiness in our past. And if we're not careful, we'll allow our past to define our present. But God says, let it not be that way. That when we become a part of God's family, when we, when we yield our lives to him, one of the promises of God is that you are wholeheartedly forgiven. That there's this blank slate, this, this fresh start, this, this new beginning, that, that you are wholly, completely, fully forgiven. It is, it is the fundamental change in your existence. That's who you are because of what God has done in our life. Now, I don't know if you're anything like me, but sometimes I'm somebody who I've heard that truth a lot. And it's easier for me to apply that to somebody else than it is to apply it to myself. It's easy for me to think about, man, there's a God who loves you. There's a God who cares for you. There's a God who's forgiven you. There's a God who's given you a fresh start. And when it comes to my own life, I think that maybe I don't quite deserve it. And I allow my past to define me as opposed to my creator to define me. And so if you're anything like me, the words that Paul penned uh, in, a, in a different book in the New Testament, the book of Romans, is, 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 is one of those anchor passages for me that I, I have to connect my, my life to this passage. Romans chapter 8, verse 1. Paul comes out of the gates, he says this, he says, Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. My friends, is that good news? I think that's good news. That therefore, there is now no condemnation. Now, the, if you look at the, the Greek word that's translated no condemnation, it literally means no condemnation. Like zero, zilch, zippo, squadoosh. There is no condemnation for somebody whose life is connected to Jesus. That the, 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 the slate has been cleaned. There's a new start, a new beginning. There is forgiveness and freedom that can reign over your life. We get to exist in forgiveness. Would you be someone who receives that, that forgiveness and allows that to transform who you are because of who he is? We become a part of God's family, and when we do, we have the chance to receive his forgiveness. We also have the opportunity to what I would say, live in freedom. We get the chance to live in freedom. It's one of the aspects of what it means to be a part of God's family. We get to live in, walk in freedom every single day. And I don't know about you, but for me, when, it, when I think about freedom, freedom is one of the core needs and desires of literally every single person. And it's not just true today. That's been true for hundreds and if not thousands of years. I mean, if you think about it, you can trace it all the way back to biblical times. It's for freedom's sake that people long for and they cry out to God, Right? I mean, that was the heart's cry of the slaves in Egypt that they cried out to God for, for freedom. 
You think about the, the captives in Babylon. They cried out to God for what? They cried out to him for freedom. It was for freedom's sake that the pilgrims landed on Plymouth Rock. It was for freedom's sake that our forefathers penned the Declaration of Independence. It was freedom that was the heart of Martin Luther King Jr. as he delivered that powerful speech where he says, I have a dream. I mean, it was for freedom that motivated an Indian named Mahatma Gandhi. It was freedom that motivated somebody like Nelson Mandela. I would could go on and on and on. There's so much to be said about freedom. It is so deep with all of us that we are a people who desire to be free, who desire to live in freedom. And the good news about that, the best news about that is God gives us a promise through his son Jesus. It came off the lips of Jesus himself. John chapter 8, Jesus speaking, he says, so if the Son, referring to himself, so if the Son sets you free, help me out with that last, that phrase, you are truly free. Let's say that again. If the Son sets you free, what? You're truly free. My friends, do you believe that? You're truly free. Have you ever wrestled what you're free from? You're free from your past mistakes. You're free from the condemnation that gets associated with it. You're free from the power of sin. You're free from the penalty of sin. You're free from the guilt and the shame that our world tries to lay on you. You're free from your hurts, your habits, and your hangups. You're free from the perception of others and having to measure up to what other people think that you should be. You're free from the need to acquire more. You're free from the need to have people appreciate you at every single turn. You're, 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 free to, you're free to not have to be somebody you're not so that you can be the person that God has created you to be. Jesus says, if the Son sets you free, my friends, you're free. But I need you to know this one truth. Freedom is free to you, but it cost him everything. And we understand that as people who live in this country. We understand that, that even in this country, we have, a, we have the opportunity to live as people who are free, but that freedom wasn't free. That there are those who went before us, that they, they fought bravely on our behalf. They were willing to give up their own lives so that you and I could experience the freedoms in this country that we get to enjoy every day. Quick little shout out to those who are veterans who have served in our armed forces. Those who have paid a price so that we can be free. We understand that picture, right? That is also true spiritually. God says all of these things to us, that, that freedom is free to us. But make no mistake about it, it cost him everything. That our God was a God who loved us so much that he was willing to send his own one and only son that if you just believe in him, you'll never perish. You'll have everlasting life. Because God was willing to pay the penalty on our behalf so that you and I could be free. Become a part of God's family. Receive his forgiveness. Live in his freedom. It's what it means in part to become a part of God's spiritual family, this, this forever family. 
And so I know that many people here today and those of you who are joining online have already made that commitment. You've been a part of God's family for a long time. But I also believe we're about to have some new members to the family today. And so throughout this service, if God's been tugging in your heart and you're saying, I, I want to become a part of God's family, I'm ready to surrender my life to him, I want to give you the opportunity to do that right now. And so what I'm simply going to do is I'm going to simply say a prayer. And if you would like to, uh, you can simply repeat the words of this prayer after me. You can do so audibly. You can do so silently within the context of your own heart. Whatever you want to do, this is a moment between you and God. But if you allow me to, I'd love to invite all of us, whether you're here in the room or watching us online, I'd just like to ask everybody to bow their heads. And if you want to become a follower of Jesus, I just ask that you just simply say the words of this prayer after me. Jesus, thank you for loving me. I believe you died on the cross for my sin. I believe you rose again. Jesus, forgive me for my sin. Give me the gift of eternal life. Help me walk in the forgiveness and the freedom that you give. In Christ's name. With every eye closed, with every head bowed, if you, if you made that commitment, if you just acknowledge that commitment by just slipping your hand in the air, it's just a moment that you reach out to God, just declaring, God, I want to be a part of your family. Father, as, as hands go up, I just... I just ask for those who are reaching out to you in this moment that you would reach right back to us. We could sense your presence. We could embrace your forgiveness. We could walk in your freedom. God, thanks for adopting us into your family. We pray that in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen.